This is Why We Plan, a podcast for business owners and their advisors about how to better plan for the exit from a business. Join us each episode as we discuss different elements of exit planning, including real life stories, challenges, and opportunities of owners and their advisors. Welcome to this episode of Why We Plan. I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Uh, We help business advisors help their business owners exit their business on their terms. With me today is a longtime friend. In fact, I had to ask Kelly as we started how long we've known each other, and it was 16 years. That's right. Hard to believe. Yeah. So Kelly is the preeminent ESOP consultant in the country, as far as as far as I know and as far as I'm concerned. So Kelly, tell us about the evolution or the progress of ESOPs as a exit path in the last 16 years. There's been a lot of change, yeah. uh, mainly as a result of there not being much knowledge or recognition of ESOPs yeah. 16 years ago. The ESOP community has been very active, educating advisors and business owners, but primarily advisors, about what an ESOP is, how it works, and its tax benefits. And that's made all the difference in the world. So now we've got this increased knowledge that's been pushed by people like me in the mm-hmm. ESOP community coming together at the perfect time with something you've been talking about for 20 years, yeah. which is the aging of the baby boom generation and what that's going to mean for exit planning. So we really have a perfect storm of those two things coming together now. Tell us how. That's great. I, I, I can see that as well. Tell us how you work with business advisors. Well, first, that's all we do is work with advisors. We never market directly to business owners. ESOPs are just too complex. And so one of the primary keys to the success of my work with a business owner is the business owner's trust level in his advisor. Mm -hmm. And so when we get an advisor who has a great relationship with a business owner and brings us in, there's a transference of that trust um, to us. And that's incredibly valuable. And an advisor is going to understand a lot of the things that the business owner isn't going to Mm -hmm. understand. And the advisor is going to be there and more readily accessible to the business advisor than we are. And so uh, working with a good advisor is critical to our process. And I think the other thing about the relationship is so critical is that you are more involved longer term with their clients than an M&A advisor or an estate planning attorney. So there's got to be that level of trust yeah. and, and liking. Yeah. And most <laughs> of our competitors, most of the people that do what we do mm-hmm. in the ESOP world don't have that continuing involvement. Most of them work as investment bankers, they do a transaction and they move on. Uh, but we realize that business owners need continuing advice and assistance after the transaction. And so probably 10 years ago, we started offering that continuing service okay. as yeah. part of our business model. Um, and it's worked very well. And the indication of how badly it was needed is about 95% of our clients hire us after the transaction for that yeah. ongoing assistance. That's great. How, 
How do you work, uh, I guess, one with BEI members, advisors like those listening in today, and how maybe that's the pattern for how you would work with them as well. So tell us how you're involved. For, for one, Kelly talks at all of our advanced training sessions, uh, our classes, I should say. So he's involved in training probably almost all of our members going forward. How, how does that work? How do our members then work with you? Yeah, typically what they do is have a question, have a client that asks them a question mm -hmm. about ESOPs. And so they send an email or make a phone call and we discuss their client and I try to gather some information to determine whether or not it's worth mm -hmm. having additional conversations with that client. Assuming that it is, we almost always do a video conference with the BEI advisor and the client and the client CFO. And we talk about the two key factors, which are the owner's planning goals mm -hmm. and the company's financial situation. And so that's a first conversation combined with answering the business owner's questions about what an ESOP is and how it works. That's so the, that's great. Um, and the other thing that we do, John, is we're very care careful to keep the advisor involved throughout the process. So we don't expect the advisor to make that introduction and then go away. Mm -hmm. I was um, talking to someone earlier today and they said, what's the best way for an advisor to learn about the intricacies of an ESOP transaction? I said, live through one. I mean, you can read books, mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. listen to podcasts, you can go to seminars, but the best way to learn is to work through one. So we make sure that the advisors stay involved all throughout the process. It's good for them and it's good for us. Absolutely. And in exaplanners, are similar to you. They have a long-term involvement with their business owner typically from long before they decide to exit through the exit process and afterwards. It's a, it's almost a lifelong relationship or a career-long yep. relationship for, for a lot of our members. Uh, one thing I think it's really important for the advisors listening in is to have, I would suggest you have some level of knowledge of ESOPs before you engage your clients in an, uh, an ESOP discussion because they are complicated. Um, in our training, Kelly spends an hour as an ESOP feasibility consultant uh, talking with our members about what they need to know, the ins and outs of ESOPs, as well as there's additional written material. And I mention that here because it's more important for you to have some grounding in ESOP knowledge versus, for example, selling to a third party where not as much knowledge is needed because you have an awareness of what the sale process is like and the owners have more knowledge of what a sale process to an outside party is like. They may not be totally accurate in that, but they've got that knowledge. But ESOPs are like uh, harder to understand, but also there's not that many ESOP feasibility consultants out there, I don't think. And maybe a lot of people say they're ESOP consultants, but I'm not sure they're there. My father uh, told me, and this is the way he talked, boy, in business, you just need an unfair advantage. Yeah. And that's where we are. We don't have that much competition, so it's it's almost an unfair advantage. So it's, it's really been fun. You know, just as an aside, the unfair advantage is the name of a book 
written by a race car driver. Oh, really? His name is, he was, his, he's passed away. His name was Troy Donahue. And the people ask him why he was successful. He said, well, I always had the fastest car. <laughs> the unfair advantage. The unfair advantage, yeah. So you want that level of ESOP knowledge. It'll give you an advantage when you're perhaps competing for business with a business owner and so on. So one of the ways they can get that knowledge, if they go to the BEI website and look at um, the file that you have with webinars, mm -hmm. we've done, I think, eight webinars that are on the website that they can go to. Um, they can go to our website and get what I call a business owner primer, which is a very simple explanation for a business owner in their language that will explain to them what an ESOP is, how it works, and, and how it will benefit wow. their employees. Yeah. Um, and there's also an ESOP assessment tool on our website. Mm -hmm. So they could sit down with the business owner, ask them those 10 questions, have a discussion, and determine, even without us being involved, whether or not the company might be a good candidate. That's a, that's a great idea. What's your, uh, the name of your uh, email address or the name of the website? Uh, the website is execfin.com, E-X-E-C-F-I-N.com. Um, you can also find information about us via the ESOP Coach, mm -hmm. which is uh, the title of the book that I've written 15 years ago. Uh, I wrote it in 08 when I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> the Great Recession had yeah. just started, yeah. and we were all sitting around thinking about we, what's next. We did a lot of writing back yes, then. Yes, we did. Today, not so much. Yeah, yeah. Time to uh, make hay now, but back then it was time to... Uh, try to create things to stay involved and productive. So there are a lot of, of resources. Of, uh, they can go to our website. We've got a QR code now on the website. I'd okay. never had the book yeah. in digital form uh, until about two months ago. So they can cool. go to our website, click on the QR code, and download the book. Most excellent. So uh, tell us about just the general characteristics of an owner and or her business that tend to qualify or pre-qualify an ESOP recommendation, just in general terms. Let's first talk about um, the data. And so in order to be a good candidate, there's certain financial metrics. And one of them is, as a general rule, you need to have $2 million a year of adjusted EBITDA. And so our typical client is just over $4 million, and our range is $2 million to $20 million. Okay. Uh, but the, the sweet spot in the ESOP world is companies with 2 to $5 million of adjusted EBITDA. So ESOPs are for small and mid-sized companies. They're not for micro companies. Right. You probably need to have at least 50 employees. Most of our clients have over 100 but you need to have probably at least 50. And so those would be some of the, the hard metrics. Um, in addition to that, companies where the owner says the success of our business is built on company culture, those companies are great candidates. Right. Because the owner knows that if they sell to a third party, the third party is going to swear that nothing's going to change, but everything does. Yeah. And so we do a lot of business with engineering firms, uh, with advertising and public relation firms, mm -hmm. service businesses where culture is key. 
Um, a lot of business owners think of their company, of course, as their legacy. Mm -hmm. And so for a business owner who wants to make sure that there's always a business in this town with his family's name on it, mm -hmm. sell to a third party, you Doesn't don't have that assurance. Well, the other thing is with an ESOP, you can sell your entire company to an ESOP and the owner can still remain involved. In fact, Absolutely. Have a lot of influence in that, in that Absolutely. company. Absolutely. But they already have their liquidity event. Yeah. Most of our clients, most of the owners, after they sell, in our experience, become chairman of the board, they've probably already transitioned from that day-to-day -day operational mm -hmm. responsibility into a more strategic role. And it's just the perfect, the perfect gradual exit well, out that, of the business. That's great. Thank you for your time. Thanks, John. We'll do more of these. And thank you for listening and perhaps watching this podcast. I encourage you again to learn more about ESOPs. They're a wonderful tool, but they're not clearly, as Kelly was explained, they're not for everyone. So see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. If you'd like more information on better ways to plan for the future, please visit exitplanning.com.